0: Welcome to Green and Red, Scrappy Politics for Scrappy People, a regular podcast on radical environmental and anti-capitalist politics. Brought to you by Bob Bazanka and Scott Park.
1: And hello, and today Green and Red goes Hollywood. Hooray for Green and Red. And before we get started, let me show you this. This is like our credits. We have postcards. So, if any of you really like us, and you should, because you're watching it right now and you listen to us and all this kind of stuff. But, if any of you live in an area where there's like coffee shops or, or bookstores or, you know, kind of any kind of cultural community centers or political spaces where people should be listening to the Green Red Podcast and you want some of these, just let us know. We'll send them to you. And you could pass them out to your friends and become a friend of the Green Red Podcast because you should be. And you know, follow us on all the social media and all that kind of stuff, and subscribe and share. And, and just email you know, us,
0: you know, just email us at greenredpodcasts at gmail to get some postcards.
1: Yes. And I said that Green and Red goes Hollywood because today this is kind of a bonus video, which we like to do. We're spreading out the Green and Red Empire. We're, we're coming after uh, what's the guy's name? Mur- Murdoch. We're, we're coming after you, Rupert. All right, Rupert. Fuck you, Trump. Murdoch. Anyway, um, we're going to talk a little bit today about radical movies because, um, and this is really Scott's wheelhouse, way more than mine. Uh, he is our, our kind of our cultural editor. Is that is that your official uh, title, cultural editor?
0: Is that... You know, I would say that I'm a I'm a minister of culture. The minister. I
1: like that. I like that a lot better. Yeah, I'm the minister of culture. Okay. or I'm maybe the even the
0: minister of cultural
1: revolution. Yeah, there you go. Can I be the minister of foreign affairs? Like, I've always wanted to to do that. Exactly. So, if the official green and red foreign policy, I will soon be putting out a position paper on that. All right. And the Minister of Interior. I think we're also our Secretary of Offense. So, (laughs) Secretary of Offense, because I'm very offensive. Yeah. Um, I think we're both the Ministers of Interior. So, at any rate, we talk a lot about culture and we make references all the time to this. And so, uh, and we often talk about like and share advice and suggestions on movies. And I'm sure all of us out there have gotten an email, probably one a day from Netflix, saying, we have a movie that you might like, Bob or Joe or Scott or whatever. And so we thought we would give you a little bit of what we think our suggestions would be for radical film. And this is just, and we also think culture is an important part of left politics. If you you can't dance and watch movies, then what's the point of of having a revolution? So we're going to talk about uh, radical movies. And this will probably actually be a two-parter because- we could not cut our list down and we kept adding to it rather than narrowing it. So we're going to do this thematically and, you know, um, just kind of give you some ideas. Some of these are going to be well-known, some not so much. And, uh, you know, in your comments, if you take uh, issue with any of these or if you've had any suggestions, please, we, we need to, uh, uh, you know, ramp up the comments. We need more people, you know, either telling us how much they love us or telling us to, you know, go to hell or whatever. But anyway, we're going to start... Uh, obviously, with the classics. And remember, these are just opinions from Scott and me. Scott, I would consider Scott a Hollywood historian way more than me. I'm just like a schmuck who watches movies. And frankly, like most of the movies I watch are either political or like crazy dumb comedies like Animal House, so I'm not really a, an authority on this. But we're gonna start with classics. And we have a list, I don't know, like 607, that like kind of movies I think, like if you consider yourself somewhat on the left that you should, you should know, right? Would you say that Scott?
0: Yeah I mean I, I think there's some I think there's books that you should read so you have a better understanding of left politics. I think there's TV shows you should watch and I think there's movies that you should watch and I think there's music you should listen to and then there's the classics which are a little bit of like canon I guess if you want to have um, a perspective or, or you know have a little bit better
1: understanding of,
0: of you know where our culture has been and where it's going from a, a left
1: perspective. Yeah, and we're going to start with um, Metropolis, which I did not see until you know not that long ago, maybe twenty years ago. Fritz Long's famous movie, nineteen twenty-seven, uh, about kind of the impact of industrial society, you know, which is really uh, blew me away when I saw it. And you know, just kind of this really uh, attack on industrial capitalism coming out of Germany uh, right before the the National Socialists took over. So. Um, Prince Long also did a great, uh, kind of a political thriller or not really political thriller, murder mystery called, um, Adam, right. Great movie. So at any rate, uh, Metropolis and then the, the next one on our list and, and which I think pretty much everybody would, would agree on is The Grapes of Wrath. And, um, what surprised me is I never knew that was done by John Ford because didn't Ford normally do kind of more like gung-ho Westerns? Yeah. I mean, Ford, Ford is most known for his his contribution
0: to the Western genre. Some of the most known Westerns are actually come from Ford. Um, An important thing to know about Ford is he identified as a moderate, (coughs) moderate Republican, but he was like very much fascinated with this sort of concept of the American frontier, the American spirit, the American identity, all of that sort of stuff. And so it kind of like plays in with grapes of rap, grapes of rap also, you know, John classic John Steinbeck book, really important thing. That's also one of the books that I would like recommend that yeah, have yeah, a better yeah. perspective of left politics. Um, but you know, Henry Fonda, who was actually, a, was a devout leftist, um, stars in it. And so it's just an important film. There's, there's actually another, I, there's actually another classic John Ford film, which the people who made it probably, you know, would never want to be identified as like in a, in a liberal left genre, but I think it's actually one of the, a very important, it's one of the all time great westerns, and it's an important film about the American identity, particularly around like race issues. And it's called The Surgers with John Wayne and John, made by John Ford. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, it's a um, classic, classic, important film around identity and racism, et cetera, mm-hmm. in, in American culture.
1: Yeah, last week I was talking about um, the crit- critics of the New Deal, the Thunder on the left, which you bring up. And I actually showed a clip from The Grapes of Wrath, and it's a great scene where, you know, the banker is coming to, to move the Joads off their land. And the whole theme of this scene is who do we shoot? Like which banker do we shoot? Somebody got to know what a shotgun's for. Who do we shoot? Really an incredible film like that, you know, it's kind of up there with, you know, like Bunny and Clyde and Pretty Boy Floyd. You had these in the thirties, you had these kind of bank robbers and cop killers who became national heroes because... You know, capitalism was in such disarray and it failed so badly. And I think the grapes of wrath is really a great example of that. Plus, at the end, that beautiful speech—you know—it's kind of an existential speech by Henry, by uh, by um, Tom, right? The, Tom uh, Jones. Henry, the Henry Fonda speech. You know, I'll be there. And Bruce Springsteen turned it into a very beautiful song too. And, so, and Woody Guthrie did. Woody Guthrie did it as well. Yeah, Woody Guthrie did the the score, right? This, didn't he do the entire the the soundtrack for the didn't he? For the yeah, he did. Yeah, it, I think he did. Yeah, I think I mean, he yeah. did.
0: But he also has a song about Tom Jones' beat.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the next one on there uh, is one of my favorites, and it's probably one that's less known. It's called The Proud Valley, directed by somebody named Penn Tennyson, who I'd never heard of in 1941. And the reason I put it on there is, it's, I think it's Paul Robeson's best film. He goes to this town in Wales, and he works with these miners, and it's just just like a really great and touching working class film. And I think it's, it's Robeson's best work, actually. So I threw it on there for that reason. Then the next two, there's a lot of Stanley Kubrick on this, but there's a couple Stanley Kubricks that uh, we really like, right? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, and the, I'm going to do them chronologically. But okay, the, the first one, the first one is Spartacus, which came out in 1960, which is about a Roman slave uprising, uh, written by Dalton Trumbo, who we're going to talk about in a, in a minute. But Dalton Trumbo was blacklisted by HUAC, the House on american Activities Committee. And he worked both with Otto Preminger and Stanley Kubler, uh Stanley uh, Kirk Douglas, excuse me, who was the star and producer, but to break the blacklist. And this was like them breaking the blacklist where Dalton Trumbo, who had been, after he was blacklisted, actually had to write under like un- Known known Plumes, And so uh, that's actually an important little piece of history about Spartacus. Um, and then the other one is is Doctor Strangelove, um, and just the politics actually around Spartacus and Doctor Strangelove are both really important. There, uh, you know, Spartacus is about to stay a slave uprising against the Roman Empire. You know, I think that sets it all right there. And Then Doctor Strangelove is a dark comedy around you know the arms race and and you know the potential of nuclear war, et cetera. Um, you probably have some things to say about strange both, but definitely I know you have some thoughts on Strangelove. Oh, Strangelove
1: so. love is is I mean. It's hard to say my favorite movie ever is, but Strange Love is certainly in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, you know, 1964, you know, still the Cold War was still pretty hot, right? Um, you, you know, the Berlin crisis, Berlin Wall had just been built a, a couple of years before that. And you have this incredible dark comedy, I think it was written by Terry Southern, right? Uh, and, and Kubrick directed it and, you know, incredible cast. George um, C. Scott, Sterling Hayden, Kenan Wynn, I, I can't remember, but it's just this brilliant satire, you know. Peter Sellers? Uh, Did you say Peter Sellers? Peter Sellers plays, what, three different roles? And, of course, Slim Pickens, who rides a nuclear weapon at the end and, you know, has one of the greatest lines uh, when there's a Soviet Soviet diplomat because they're going to unleash this bomb, this megabomb. Soviet diplomat is in the war room of the Pentagon and he gets into an argument with George C. Scott and you know who I forget who it was. There's a great line. There's no fighting in the war room. You know, so, but it's a it's a brilliant take up. And in 1964, you didn't say stuff like this. One film that's not on our list, but I think you know we could have mentioned too, was The Manchurian Candidate, which, you know, I mean, it's about communist brainwashing, but it's also about McCarthyism. But I think in historical terms, The Manchurian Candidate and and Strange Love are really important because they kind of broke through like in the 50s hollywood started doing kind of anti-hero movies like you know brando in the wild ones or or james dean you know in uh, rebel without a cause but those aren't really like inherently political but i think things like the Manchurian candidate and and, and strange love really were and they took on things like mccarthyism and the cold war in ways that i think really really were uh, important and so yeah i mean strange love you have to watch probably multiple times because it's it's absolutely uh, brilliant right uh, another one kind of uh, in that vein which is more satirical, kind of I guess more like Strange Love, no, Less known, but one of my favorites ever uh, was *The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming*. Now, have you seen that? You've seen that, of course you've seen that, right? You've never seen that? Oh wow! I'm not. I mean, you've seen a million of that. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's it's a satire. This Russian sub comes ashore, and um, is it Maine maybe I forget a small town. Jonathan Winters is the sheriff, and Alan Arkin is this Russian, and it's just freaking hilarious. Carl Reiner is in it. But another great satire of the Cold War, it appeared, you know, and this one the Vietnam War is, is cracking. So, you know, making fun of the Cold War, I think, at this point is is an important historically. And so uh, and these aren't like inherently political, like I think the next one, which is from Warren Beatty, is. But they're I think they're really important if you want to understand kind of the, the way politics was evolving and radical politics was evolving in the U.S. But the next one which what you can take is, is you know this better than me, is, is inherently political.'s Warren Beatty's Magnus opus. And a lot of lefties make fun of this movie, but fuck them, I, I love it. So
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, we're talking about Reds, which came out in 1981 uh, with Warren Beatty and Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson and uh, Maureen Stapleton. Uh, and it you know, it chronicles the life of the lives of uh, John Reed, who was a, a noted American communist and Louise Bryant, who was his lover slash wife, who was also a, 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 left, a left, what we would call a left activist today. Uh, and, and, you know, it chronicles their lives during that era of World War One, of um, the sort of first Red Scare, where communists and anarchists and immigrants were being targeted by the federal government. And then also they, you know, they were writers and reporters who covered the Russian revolution. And so it It has a a lot of it takes place in in Russia as well. Uh, And so it's a brilliant film. It was actually pretty successful. And and Beatty got, you know, big studio backing for a film about the Russian revolution at the height of the Reagan years, right? 1981, like we're we're having this cultural shift in the country, yet uh, we still are able to see this sort of like huge production and sort of breakthrough around a, a positive story around, American left, American communists and and uh, or American reds as it, as it were, and then the Russian revolution. Um, I mean, very import, a very important film and it's, it's long.
1: It's long, I was just going to say
0: that. It, there's a sort
1: intermission
0: in it. I've it. seen versions with an intermission. I definitely encourage yeah. people to watch it
1: though. Yeah, and, and what's really cool is um, Beatty had what he called witnesses. People, you know, this is 1981, people who actually were alive uh, in the early 1900s, you know, people like Henry Miller and Scott Nearing and uh del roger saint john who talked about that era it's also great on the countercultural politics these people were there's a book about the 20 the, you know my students would often talk about the 60s and the hippies and all that and i always thought, like man, dude the 1910s in greenwich Village, rebels in bohemia right and it's really cool on that i mean there's a, a love story in there between Beatty and, and diane keaton between reed and, and louise bryant that takes up a good portion of it which i you know i could have done without the kind of puppy dog christmas tree scenes as i call them but it's a great film and there's a great soliloquy by jack nicholson who plays gene o'neill basically making fun of these people and their you know kind of revolutionary ideas it's something that you know it's been discussed on the left ever since right but it's a great film you know a lot of people piss on it i i think it's essential it's like you said it's a yeah go ahead you go you finish no it's it's a film about the russian revolution approvingly right and i mean there's that scene where they're in the winter palace and they play the international i mean that's still like that kind of makes me choke up it's you know i get teary-eyed with that so
0: the one other final important note I want to say is that Emma Goldman is a figure in the film played yeah. by Maureen Stapleton and Maureen Stapleton won an Oscar yeah, for her portrayal yeah. yeah. of Emma Goldman, Emma yeah. Goldman being a, a personal <laughs> hero of mine, probably both of ours. Yeah, sure. And, sure. and, you know, I, I read Emma. Yeah. It, it's great how actually she is like kind of featured in the film and yeah. she was played by a dynamic, great actress. So.
1: Yeah. And I also want to point out though, that, reds did not win the academy award that year for best picture i want you to like a silly british movie about these runners chariots of fire which is like god awful i mean it was like the most boring fucking movie i've seen that year but anyway ba- Beatty did win best of director though baby did one no 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 but yeah absolutely but it's it's essential yeah i mean a lot of people will will shit talk it, but, but i uh i i think it's essential and, and i know well both of us do and i think we have one more we have one more yeah, on we, that quick list oh, we have yeah. one more
0: and, you know, um, kind of what we've talked about with these films through the 60s through the 80s, like we had 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, we actually s- skipped ahead with Reds, but like just chronologically, there was actually another important anti war movement. Move, movement. There was an important anti war movement in the 60s, but there's also an important anti war movie, uh, which I actually just recently re watched. It's, it's MASH, it's a Robert Altman film, which led to a very popular. Television show show starring Alan Alba, and Harry Potter and, and many others. Um, or excuse me, Harry Morgan, Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry <movie>. Potter. Um, <laughs> he played Sherman T. Potter, That's right. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: uh, <laughs> MASH, though the, the film is actually brilliant, uh, based on a novel, uh, starred Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould. It takes place during the Korean War, but it's very much a, a critique of, uh, very much a critique of the war in Vietnam. You know, it has it has commentary on nationalism. It has commentary on evangelicals in the military. It has commentary on how fucked up the bureaucracy of the military is. It's a and then it has a lot of commentary on just like the horrors of war, and and it's shown in a comedic
1: light. Brilliant, great movie. Oh, actually, we did forget one. That same year, when you mentioned, thankfully, you said "satire war." In 1970, you also saw Catch Twenty Two came come out. Which, again, I think the critics were kind of mixed on, but I think it's, it's absolutely fantastic. One of the best novels. It's, it's one of those must-reads, too. Catch-22, talk about the crazy bureaucracy of the military. It's, and the cast is just simply amazing. So, yeah, MASH and Catch-22, that was a hell of a year. Uh, and Catch-22 was directed by Mike Nichols. So, you know, and Altman and Nichols were two of the, 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 the you know, they're both legends, right? But uh, And those are like, I mean, we could have taken some of those off. We could have added 20 more. To the classics but those are just like the ones that we we wanted to put on there you know and you know put it in your comments if you think we shouldn't have included some or there were others we missed so we're doing this like i said thematically so now the next one we've done which is just based on our own discretion is uh we're, we're calling it any heroes and bank robbers and um you wanna you wanna take these yeah and bob already
0: kind of touched on one of these uh Which is the there is a there's a sort of new wave of American film in the '60s and '70s, uh, which was like sort of like Gonzo. It was very much challenging authority. I I think as an anarchist, I really that's why I like these films. Uh, And a lot of them are around um, you know bank robbers and and people who are like you know uh, sort of almost neo western sort of figures. But the, the first one is Arthur Penn's Bonnie and Clyde. Which was actually starring, written, and produced by Warren Beatty in 1967, um, and Beatty actually uh, basically bucked the studio system to make Bonnie and Clyde. He and he and Faye Dunaway play you know Depression era uh, bank robbers, Clyde Barrow and Bonnie Parker. Uh, kind of, and Gene Hackman, who before Gene Hackman was big, it's like Gene Hackman's sort of breakthrough film. Um, plays his brother, Buck Barrow, but it's like basically traces their sort of like the the kind of like brief and, and violent history of, of Bonnie and Clyde. Um, the next one that we want to put in the, that we put in this category was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which was with Paul Newman and Robert Redford. And, you know, it's a couple of outlaws takes place in the early 20th century. Uh, a couple of outlaws who basically just like outlived their time. And based on you know, there's a there's a credit at the beginning of the film is like most of what follows is true, and so um, what we see what we see with that is the um, you know the old horseback riding bandits being overtaken by the railroads and the and the you know the Pinkerton types, uh, and then they flee to Bolivia and try to do it there until it finally catches up with them, um, and then
1: did, the, did Walter Penn also direct Butch Cassidy?
0: Um, it was um, for Hill. It was neither. <laughs> I, I am I don't remember If you hadn't that. said it, I if you hadn't said it, I would have. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it's the same person who's directed the sting. I can't remember. Yeah, I know that's actually what I was thinking
1: too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Arthur um, Hill or Hill. Walter Hill? Walter Hill. Is it Walter Hill? Anyway, it's not Walter. You know not what? Walter. You talk, I'll look it up. Okay. Uh, the next
0: the next uh, film we put into the anti-hero and bank robbers film is Dog Day Afternoon, which is a Sydney Lamette movie from 1975. With starring Al Pacino, Charles Durning, uh, John Cazale, Chris Sarandon, also based on a true story about a bank robbery with two super not bright bank robbers uh, that goes pretty goes pretty south New York City. Uh, Al Pacino plays Sonny, the uh, the the sort of lead and the lead bank robber, um, you know, and it's the the sort of like twist is that. Sonny Pacino's character is actually robbing the bank to be able to pay for his boyfriend's trans, uh, uh, um, transition transition um, surgery, um, and so which is an interesting interesting part of the story for the mid seventies. Um, but great movie, brilliant movie, and, and then the,
1: and we'll go ahead and do the last one because there's just
0: some important point I want to make. So anyway, and then the last one that we put on here is Taxi Driver. Um, which is not necessarily inherently political, but like we thought it was actually really important. It's a sort of like post-Vietnam, New York City, Times Square, sort of decline of, of the U.S., Robert De Niro. It's based on Notes from the Underground by Dostoevsky. Um, and uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, sort of a, in, in many ways, a breakthrough. I mean, not a breakthrough Robert De Niro. It's like one of his first big starring roles, so and you know he plays a, a cab driver who's just like slowly losing it through the course of the film,
1: and a Vietnam vet, which I think is is. And is a Vietnam vet—that's an important part of it too, because there was that kind of whole genre back in the '70s about crazy Vietnam vets, right? Yeah. Um, George George Hill did did uh, George. Hill. What's important because remember when we mentioned the Great we had that scene? Who do we shoot? And a lot of these, especially like Bonnie and Clyde and Bush Cassidy, I think that's the the, the part of this that I think is important is like. These people were national heroes, these guys who robbed banks and fought it out with Pinkertons and, you know, and, and Woody Guthrie wrote the great song about Pretty Boy Floyd, which is similar, right? These guys were were kind of heroes, right, in the sense that, you know, the real evil in society were the bankers. Woody Guthrie wrote a song about Jesus Christ where the cops and the bankers killed, you know, they put him on the cross. So these films, like, explicitly said, you know, and, and um, you know, uh, uh, Dog Day Afternoon, which I think is Pacino, who I, I love Pacino. I think he's brilliant. I actually think that's his best role you know, which is saying a lot. But these are all, you know, about banks, right? They're bank robbers, right? Which is is something that I think we forget in American society. Like, bankers are bad guys, and Americans don't really like them. And these films explicitly, you know, like, like as with The Grapes Are at like, who do we shoot? And Butch Cassidy and and Bonnie and Clyde and Dog Day Afternoon were all really kind of a, a part of that. And, and the 70s was, uh, and, you know, in many ways, I think the heyday for these kinds of, like, really kind of very, very kind of cynical, but also political uh, films coming out of the big studios in Hollywood. So what do we have next? Or Do you have anything else to say on that about the the bank robbers? No, I, I'll
0: say that the anti-hero and bank robber genre, though, is one that has, has continued. And, you know, in popular television and film, probably before this period in the late 60s, early 70s, but, like, definitely it's been... It's, it's, it's been an ongoing theme in, in American uh, film and television, in,
1: in my opinion. Yeah, you know, um, it's strange that, that you know, because we have this weird cultural disconnection where, you know, like people, you know, uh, Blue Lives Matter and We Back the Blue and all that. And I think of like the popularity, both both of these movies, but also in real life of of people like, you know, Pretty Boy Floyd or, or Butch casting and the Sundance Kid or... Um, there's a great scene in um, Bonnie and Clyde, but there's also there's a great scene in The Godfather. Remember when Michael goes to the restaurant to meet with Soloso and, and um, McCluskey, and then he comes out and he shoots McCluskey. Like, how many people do you know who were rooting for McCluskey in that confrontation? Right, everybody wanted Michael Corleone to shoot him. Right, so like we have these this this disconnection where culturally. Like we understand that cops can be really, you know, corrupt and brutal and and you know sociopathic, and you know people in the audience, people in the theaters cheered when Michael popped, you know, Saloso and McCluskey. But then we have this whole kind of reverence about Blue Lives Matter and the police and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's it's it just kind of strikes me as interesting when I think about like Bush Cassidy or Pretty Boy Floyd or you know any of this stuff. Warren Davis. Uh, so anyway, so our, uh, just just that's my two cents. You are listening to the silky smooth sounds of the green and red
0: podcast.
1: And as always, we thank you for listening to us. Uh, We really appreciate it. And then as always, uh, we would like to ask you to subscribe uh, to us on whatever format you listen to, whether it be on podcast or on our YouTube channel. Um, You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. We are on Linktree slash green and red podcast. And we now also have postcards. And if you have a coffee house or a library or a bookstore or some place like that in your area, that might be uh, a great spot to put some of these. Just ask us, and we will send them to you free of charge to spread the word about the Green Red Podcast. And you can
0: email us at greenredpodcast@gmail to get uh, a, a packet of your of your postcards. Uh, and then, if you really like us, you can. Uh, donate and you know we we are very happy to get the donation and have the small base of small donors that we have uh and so you can either become a patron at patreon.com backslash green red podcast or you can make a one-time donation at greenandredpodcast.org and just hit that support button it's also on the postcards uh and so uh you know thanks for listening and enjoy the show Doing that, the Cold War, yeah, yeah. I thought you were gonna go. I thought you were gonna go into it. Um, um, yeah, yeah. So the so the Cold War satire and the Red Skier, it, It's interesting. Most of the films that we have listed in this are like after the Cold War is over, but it is an interesting period to look at. Um, the The one that actually was still happening while the Cold War was going on that we put on the list was Martin Ritt's The Front, which came out in the mid seventies. Which actually starred Woody Allen as a sort of you know small time low level crook who basically um lots of blacklisted writers have him turn in scripts so they can get paid and still because they've been blacklisted so they can't actually publish under their their under their names but and so you know woody allen's character basically goes around and makes a bunch of money off of that um and and so it's it was a common tactic the challenge the blacklist
1: to do that. It's what yeah. Dalton Trumbo did in real life, yeah. and, then, and, um, and then Zero Mostel, who was actually blacklisted, starred in too, which I think is, is yeah. working, you know. I think there are a number of blacklisted, um, yeah, actors who were in the in that film. Hmm. Yeah, and what's cool is like at the end, Woody Allen's character won't snitch, you know, which is, which I which is you know, kind of a pretty cool part of it because a lot of them name names, you know. Yeah.
0: Uh, and then, and then the next one we put on here is Pleasantville, <laughs> by Gary Gary Ross. You want to talk about that one, Bob? Your I Pleasant, love you that added movie. To the list,
1: it's not. Yeah, I did. I did. And there's a few I added that that you know may not be explicitly clicked. I love that movie. It's. Uh, I think Gary Ross, like his father, grandfather had some kind of connection to McCarthyism. I don't know if he was actually like black, but he he, he you know he had some kind of pernicious effect from it. It's. Uh, it's kind of a fantasy film, really. Right. That it, it it begins in this perfect world in the 1950s everything is black and white uh, all the girls are beautiful all the guys are handsome everybody on the basketball team it's all white all white people everyone on the basketball team makes every shot he ever takes it's just a perfect world and then all of a sudden it kind of falls apart when people start to like experience real life human emotions like love and hate and anger and the film goes from black and white to 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 color and you start to see these themes of like anger and hatred and, you know, betrayal and things like that. But I think it's just a, a brilliant satire of, of kind of conformity and, and McCarthyism uh, in that era. I mean, I kind of it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure I mean, you know, most critics would not agree with me. But I mean, to me, it's like kind of a beatnik uh, approach, like the beats would, would do, you know, but it's Hollywood. It's very Hollywood. Right. Big cast: Reese Witherspoon, Toby McGuire, Don Knotts. I guess, I think it's the last movie, but. Joan yeah. Allen. Joan Allen. Yeah, Joan Allen's fantastic. Jeff Daniels. You know, I love it. I, you know, I think if you look at it and think of it as a political movie, I think you know, really, like, wow, there's there's something there. I've watched it probably four or five times. And
0: and then we have Cradle Will Rock, which is Tim Robbins' film from 1999, which is the story of the making of the play Cradle Will Rock, which was a leftist-communist play that was actually uh, made by people funded by the federal government
1: during the... WPA the, project, yeah, for the... the w, yeah, yeah, the New Deal project, yeah. WPA project. Uh, the, the, of, the score was by Mark Blitzstein, who was who was communist. And um, so it, it, it was on the radar. And then, you know, great story, you know, about, like, the night it was supposed to open, you know? What happened? it get shut down. Get shut down, yeah, yeah. That um, the the, uh, the Roosevelt people called the Broadway people and said, you know, shut it down. They they finally, and this is like true. I actually used to play basketball with a guy who was a professor at UH, whose sister starred, like, was the in the original cast of, of the critical Rock, and Orson Welles was part of that. And now the movie's much broader. It includes like Diego Rivera and all kinds of historical figures, even though the main theme is the Rock of Nelson Rockefeller. Nelson Rockefeller and all that. Yeah, the main theme is about. But Mark Blissney wrote it. So the night, you know, the Roosevelt people told Broadway not to let these people put this on, and they literally marched down Broadway and found a dark theater and just like called people in, opened the doors, and it's it's really very powerful and very moving. Uh, and this is where you know, like the lead character was Mister Mister, who's this plutocrat, and you had people representing different professions, and it's like an avowedly this is like as as this is like a comedy play for sure. And I, you know, I it's a very busy movie. You know Tim Robbins kind of threw the kitchen sink in there, but it's, I mean, it's just a great story. It's just a great story, has a great cast, all star cast, too. John, John Cusack, Cusack uh, it's, yeah, it's 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 but it, yeah, it's worth watching, you know. It's kind of like Reds, it's it's kind of busy, but it's it's you got you got to watch it. And by the way, cool, but with the satires, two of our classics would have been in here, otherwise, Strange Love and the Russians are coming, I think, would be in that, too. So, yeah. um, and I think, oh, we got one more which you've You've seen more than I
0: have. I love this movie. So it's Trumbo. It came out in 2015, Jay Roach movie, uh, starring Bryan Cranston as Dalton Trumbo. It's a, it's a it's a great film uh, to be to be really honest. And it's it's his bio. It's his it's his biography, right? And so it's everything from him, you know, being a screenwriter in the 40s, him being a, a correspondent in the World War II, him getting uh, sent to prison because he like you know, resists HUAC, the House on american Activities Committee, then he comes back from jail and he's blacklisted, so he fights the blacklist in every way possible. And eventually, you know, he, he re- like, films like Roman Holiday were written by Dalton Trumbo on a gnome, under a gnome de plume. Uh, yeah. Also, you know, a thing that he did was he actually wrote scripts for, like, B-grade, C-grade production companies so he could just bring in money for his family and keep funding the people who were fighting the blacklist
1: didn't one of the scripts he he wrote but was fronted actually win an academy award i think yeah I think it did was a roman holiday but well, he did for roman holiday and then there was the, the brave one that um, like won an academy award for best screenplay yeah. yeah yeah but he couldn't he couldn't accept the award even though yeah he couldn't. i mean i think and, it was kind of an open secret right people knew it was strong but you know yeah
0: uh and you know and the and the the antagonists of the film which are his his uh a, opponents in hollywood were head of hopper and john wayne yeah we also de- de- who, who the played
1: film. head of hopper in that um diane lane uh, was Primal's wife who was head of hopper um, at is it Hel- helen mirren oh my god she's freaking awesome in that she's just so loathsome and hideous and reprehensible
0: a great actress there,
1: there's a there's a yeah. great scene john goodman actually plays
0: the kind of yes. like sle- sleazebag uh owner of the production company and yeah. the in the the people trying to blacklist Trumbo come and say they're going to expose him, and he's like, "I run strip clubs," and he, <laughs> them out. he chases him out with a
1: baseball bat. Right? Yeah, he's like, "I don't yeah. care what the hell you say." Uh, they reminded me of Goodman's uh, character in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, just like this yeah. big, loud, loathsome oath, you know. But yeah, that's a great. Thing. The other, the other thing I want to say real quick about the
0: about Trumbo is it kind of concludes with him breaking the blacklist, and so that's where Otto Priminger. Uh, had him write the, the script for Exodus which actually is not in the good political no. film category but <laughs> um, we have a lot of things we could say about Exodus um, and, then, and then also Spartacus and so it was almost a competition between Preminger and, and Kirk Douglas and, and Kubrick yeah. about who was going to like, put Dalton Trumbo's uh, name out there first
1: um, and so in the end it's a bit of a triumph for, for Trumbo yeah. And I think it's important, too, like we talk a lot about cancel culture today, which I think is very real. Like Scott and I, I think, are different than many leftists who, you know, don't, you know, deny it. even mean, just we think it does. But like you want to talk about canceling. I mean, Donald Trump went to jail. I mean, people's lives were, were ruined and destroyed. Uh, lifetime friendships and relationships were, were destroyed because people snitched. Um, you know, talk about being canceled like, you know, Pete Seeger was about to go to jail, you know, um, something I did not know until I read an article just a few years ago, Lee Grant, who I think is a, a wonderful actress, um, I did not know, she did not work for like 14 years because her husband was called before who and she refused to, to talk to them. So Lee Grant was a, a, a hero this that I was not aware of, but, um, you know, it's, it's really, you know, we don't talk about canceling, obviously, you know, we do make fun of lefty canceling and Twitter wars and all that bullshit. But, I mean, the real canceling, this is really canceling. Like, like Trumbo was sent to jail. His life, you know, his career was, you know, like, kind of effectively, like the call in college women. Like, that's canceling when you take people's livelihoods, when you take their health insurance away for political reasons. And, and so, you know, I think it's important. And and, and and there's also a really good PBS documentary. We haven't really talked about documentaries this, because if we did, that would be, a, you know, another 20 hours. But um, there's a great documentary where Nathan Lane uh, kind of reads letters of Dalton Trumbo. But yeah, he's a a really fascinating uh, character and it's, it's a great flick. So um, I think we're going to do one more category and then swap off. We'll we'll go to part two next time. But, uh, and this is, I mean, they're all kind of part of my favorites, but this one I really like. Um, And this is kind of part of, I think my own, my own political indoctrination. I mean, you know, I read a lot as a kid and I listened to Bob Dylan music and stuff like that, but Seeing some of these movies in the 70s, I think, really contributed a lot to me asking a lot of questions that led me down the path to becoming this crazy uh, professor and podcast co-host on the left today. Um, but in the 70s, uh, uh, right kind of around the time Watergate occurred, which is, I don't think it's a coincidence at all, you had this spate of political thrillers, which you know are like some of the, the best films that were, were ever kind of made at the time. Um, And again, chronologically, uh, I would start with um, which to me is a a freaking amazing movie. It was uh, written and directed and and produced by Francis Ford Coppola. This came out the same year as Godfather 2. So the Godfather 2 in this movie came out the same year. For most people, that's a career, right? This is like 1974 for Francis Ford Coppola, right? Uh, And it's the conversation. It's a movie about surveillance now, you know, today, we talk about that all the time, the surveillance state and, you know, uh, drones and the Internet and all this other shit. This is 1974. And it's this really terrifying story of, again, Gene Hackman, uh, of a guy who, you know, he's a specialist in this stuff. And it, it, and it eventually destroys his life and makes him crazy. But it's just like the first time I saw it, which, again, wasn't that long ago. It just stunned me. Like in 1974, the Coppola just Came up with this. It's just brilliant, absolutely, so. and very much a reflection of the of the Watergate era. And yeah, you know,
0: it, it came out the year of Watergate, but it's yep. I mean, people were on to what was happening about yeah. how the government and other entities, both public and private, were you know monitoring people. And it's it's a it's a great film. Gene Hackman breakthrough breakthrough.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. I mean,
0: I guess it's not breakthrough for Gene Hackman, but he's like brilliant in it,
1: so. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, with Coca-Cola, I mean, you, you could argue it's his best film. I mean, and, you know, I'm the biggest Godfather fan in the world, but this this film is stunning. It's like it's like uh, Pacino and Dog Day Afternoon. It's just, I mean, for most people, that's a lifetime. You know, for these guys, it's just, it's a movie. You know, it's, it's just incredible. Uh, 1974, also saw another kind of conspiracy film by Alan J. Pakula called uh, The Parallax View, and have you seen that? Oh yeah, multiple times. Oh yes, I figured, yeah, it's another one baby movie. Uh, Go ahead, you know better than I do. Yeah, he plays a journalist who, well, I'll say this, is
0: it it very much revolves around this notion of conspiracies around assassinations. And so, um, you know, the assassinations of JFK and RFK actually figure into it heavily. So he plays a journalist who ends up investigating a secret organization called parallax and uh, parallax is the assassination um, organization that state at the beginning of the film it's a, a Robert F Kennedy style assassination and at the end there's a, a JFK style assassination and it's it's a great film also you know deeply cynical has a, is a strong critique of the power elite and how they if they don't like someone they just get rid of them so.
1: I think you've noticed, too, there are certain names that keep kind of coming from one baby, one baby. I mean, it's, you know, he had this reputation. He's this kind of Hollywood, you know, kind of playboy type. But the guy was he's actually really freaking brilliant. I mean, he did some amazing films and pretty much everything had some kind of political angle to it. Um, let me say I want to I have a personal story. Carol, actually, this is just for a reason for me to brag a little bit, but. In the late '70s, a, a production crew was in Houston because they were going to film here because it was cheaper. And they're walking around campus, and they came by my, my office, which was open at the time. And they knocked on my door and started talking to me. They were doing a movie about a professor, and so they asked me, you know, questions. And I actually got to talking. But anyway, it was the movie's called Arlington Road, and it was actually based on the Parallax View because, like, I went out with them like a couple nights later. They showed me the script, and you know, blah blah blah. It was kind of fun, you know. And uh, I was there with a screenwriter who said he explicitly based it on the Parallax View. I get to meet Jeff Bridges a couple times, so you know my line ever since then has been Jeff Bridges played me in Arlington Road. So if you've seen Arlington Road, which you know, and we could have actually put this on the list, it was actually kind of a precursor to a lot of stuff because it was about right wing militia kind of crazy type people in the nineties. Just I don't think it was you know if they'd taken my advice, if they brought me into script doctor it, which I offered, you know, they also cut me out of the scene I had as an extra, so their loss, Hollywood's loss. You know, I would be probably doing a podcast with michael imperioli right now instead of you if they'd kept me in um arlington road yeah anyway uh but that's my parallax view story and um the next one i love like absolutely the next two actually are two of my favorite movies ever um three days of the condor Sidney pollock's movie in 1975 and then network Sidney lumet another name that's going to show up again in 1976 and um I mean, what can you? These are just freaking brilliant. Uh, do you like one more than the other? Or? I definitely like Network a lot. Yeah. Um, I there's a
0: there's a brilliant monologue by uh, Ned Beatty. Oh my God! Yeah,
1: we'll put Who, that on the recent, show now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and and definitely want to recommend you know based on a Patty Chayefsky novel. Also, Brian Cranston in, in recent years has been doing Network on stage. Oh really? Yeah. I did London know that. and New York, yeah.
1: You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Beale. And you will atone. <laughs> That's my screenplay, if anybody wants to send it out. So.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the sort of main figure is Howard Beale, who is a Peter TV Finch. anchor. who's played by Peter Finch, who kind of loses his shit and just, like, says he's mad as hell and he's not going to take any more which is is known as a rallying hot cry for people on both the left and the right. And uh, it's you know it's a, it's a very important film. It, it's it's on just, so many levels, so many levels.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's this great critique of media, right? Because you have, you know, they're, they're searching for ratings, right? It's kind of like a spectacle, right? It's kind of like you would see today with like Fox News and shit. And like they have this, this Maoist splinter group, which gets its own TV show, right? Because it gets these big ratings, you know? And um, it's brilliant. And, and and let me say uh, a movie that, I'm a big Spike Lee fan. Well, his early work, his later stuff, he's, I think he's kind of gone off the rails, but um, Spike Lee actually did kind of an homage, you know, kind of, not a redo, but called Bamboozle in the late 90s. And um, I think it's like, I actually like, like it quite a lot, but, but that work is absolutely brilliant. But yeah, the Howard BLC, where he just describes, this is 1976, he describes the interconnections of the global economy. And he basically says, countries don't matter, nations don't matter. The world is a, is a, a, a you know, a, a group of corporations, right? I mean, this is the kind of shit that the anti-globalization movement was saying like 20 some years later, finally. And this is in nineteen like the first time I saw that, I just was like staggered. I'd never contemplated the world that way. And Ned Beattie, he's one of my favorite actors because like Ned Beattie could steal a movie in five minutes. And I think he did with network, I think Dunaway and, Faye Dunway won the Academy Award for that, and who was the uh, William, William, Holden, Holden, William was, Holden, which may have been his last movie too. But he, I don't know if he won an Academy Award. It's, it won Best Picture, I think. It didn't. It didn't win Best Picture. No, it didn't. Um, oh, Rocky did. <laughs> yeah,
0: Rocky <laughs> did. And William Holden was nominated, but didn't win Best yeah.
1: That's right. Rocky beat out Network and um Taxi Driver. It's kind of funny. Go Google the the uh, uh, the uh, academy award best picture nominees in 1976 and which one doesn't belong and, and the it's rocky which one uh, brilliant yeah network is just absolutely brilliant and then i really like three days of the condor it's a, it's another conspiracy movie robert redford who's kind of looking in it's it's kind of simplistic if you look at it nowadays but he basically discovers this this society this group the you know this plant condor plant condor which is Actually, a, uh, a real thing, a U.S. program for Latin America, you know, counterinsurgency. And in this particular regard, he connects it to kind of the oil industry and oil interests and how the United States is assassinating people. But it's, like, it's a great conspiracy thriller. The thing that gets me is like, I've talked to people who are not really all that political or left, who loved Three Days of the Condor. And I think that's a common theme with all these, like, you don't have to be, you don't have to come at this as a committed, like, socialist or Marxist or anarchist or anything like that. Like, you can just watch these movies and it's kind of like, Hit you pretty hard upside the head, like oh man, there's some shit going on here. So, um, and yep. again, like, yep, there are so many others we could have mentioned. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, we have a, one more that we added to this last minute, um, which is oh, yes. uh, another
0: um, another political yeah. thriller. Maybe, maybe the most known. I don't know of, of the list for the political yeah, thrillers it would be yeah. Um, which is all the presidents men. Yeah, uh, with Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. Uh, also an Alan J. Pakula film, also of Jason Robarts, who won the Oscar. Uh, it's the story of, it's a story of Woodward and Bernstein. And it's how they exposed the Watergate. Uh, and, you know, an important film came out just two years after Watergate came out as soon as the book came out. That was by Woodward and Bernstein. And basically, you know, follows the money and tells us how Woodward and Bernstein were able to expose the Watergate scandal of the Nixon administration.
1: So, isn't it too bad Woodward didn't just retire after that? <laughs> it is. Um, I, I want to say one
0: real quick comment about Robert Redford, like because he's been in, especially in the films around the '70s, is that you know a lot of Hollywood leading men are just these like attractive, pretty boys who you know they're in like big blockbuster films there are people and, they, and they're and they just a pretty face. And, and Robert Redford was, I remember as a kid, you know, many people consider him to be a very handsome guy, but he actually made these sort of political, these biting, bi- we could do a whole show just on the films of Robert Redford, which I think- And War really and Warren too. And too. Yeah, yeah, both of them. And like, you know, handsome, sort of a playboy, but, but also like really push the envelope politically in, in like many different ways. And like so, you know, Redford's in Three Days of the Condor. He's in All the President's Men. Um, Beatty's in The Parallax View. He later does. Bush Reds. Yeah, um, and Bush casting the Sundance Kid. And so, you know, the 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 fact that they take this Hollywood image that they have and do something edgy
1: with it, I think, it's just an th- important thing to note. Yeah, culturally, I mean, you know, we can laugh all we want, but there's. I mean, you know, we don't want to go overboard and talk about celebrity activists, but. It's an important part. I think the '70s, you know, as as a, as a historian, like I studied the '60s. I've written a lot. So I've written a book about it, and we always see that as kind of this touchstone era, right—the 1960s. Blah, blah. But if you look at what actually happened, like you know, the the that decade that followed is really amazing. You know, culturally, you see, especially you know, you had the end of the Vietnam War, which really ended badly, and Americans are really cynical. You know, the imperial presidency—it's really striking now, like Nixon. You know, if you could if he could like there's an afterworld Nixon, I, I can't even imagine what he would say at what Trump got away with. Right. But I mean, Nixon, it's you know, we forget now he was so utterly loathsome and despicable. And and the American people like believe that like Republicans turned on him. Nobody like Nixon, his own party turned on his own people. You know, he was down to like twenty nine percent or something support, you know, and and. And, and so, you know, culture kind of followed that. It was the bicentennial, right? And they're trying to gin up this patriotism, but it it didn't fly all that well. You continue to have this kind of output of, of kind of cultural, you know, kind of cynicism and, 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 and in some cases, radicalism, these conspiracy movies and political thrillers that I think were really important. You know, Hollywood has a reputation as this kind of liberal Hollywood. And for the most part, that's not true. Hollywood makes movies... Nowadays, Hollywood makes movies based on comic books just to make a lot of money, right? But um, occasionally, Hollywood came through, you know? And uh, the, I think the, the films we've talked about today, and, and I think this is going to be like the end of part one, really, I think, kind of reflected that. So um, if you're you you know, if you're looking for uh, something to watch on Netflix, we just gave you a bunch of uh, suggestions. So. You know, it's interesting you say that
0: about Hollywood now just makes comic book movies. Yeah. Um, because also... I am sadly very familiar with many comic book movies because I—that's what I watched uh, for, for my escapism at times. Um, and at least, like some of those comic book movies are actually somewhat based on some of what happens in from these films. Like Three Days of the Condor, there's a Captain America movie which the creators said that they wanted to—they were wanted—they wanted, they wanted it to be a thriller, like a like a political thriller. Uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and they based it on Three Days of the Condor with you know lots of action. So yeah. And it's I
1: mean, man, you know, this is just me. That's... Yeah. No, no, no. It was also easy. to make a whole
0: lot more money than any of these
1: movies made. So, and this is also just me being kind of a, a condescending and bitter old man because I don't watch those movies, so I just repeat, you know, like conventional bullshit about it. So, but that's cool what they do. I mean, also, you know. the other thing about the Winter Soldier is Robert Redford plays the villain. So, oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, no, there was like I just like coming of age. These these, these films were part of a a political education. I mean, I you know, the most of the stuff I learned was from from books. I didn't have an internet yet. And then I had some amazing, both high school teachers and college professors. But like stuff like this, I remember like seeing reds, just that's more than anything, more than anything. I had an amazing undergraduate professor. I got a degree in philosophy who was like a a real expert on on Hegel and Marx. I read extensively, but seeing reds was a big deal to me. Like it really like made it like not just like this intellectual pursuit, but kind of like, you know, kind of a cool life, you know? Um, And it, you know, just, it it gave some life to these people. Like I, I, you know, I I actually knew who John Reed was and I had, um, uh, I bought, but hadn't opened yet, Insurgent, Mexico, which was Reed's uh, book before he wrote 10 Days That Shook the World, which was his account. He's also the only American who was buried at Red Square, by the way, John Reed, Jack Reed. But uh, at any rate, I mean, you know, these things were really important to me in terms of my political education. And I know we've had this conversation and it's the same for you too.
0: So that is our first of the, of our, of our recommended movies, green and red at the movies as you were, as you will. Green and red um, goes Hollywood. Green and red goes Hollywood. Green and uh, red out.
1: Yeah.
0: So you've been listening to the silky smooth sounds of the green and red podcast with Scott and Bob. And uh, if you want to check us out, check us out at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Hit the subscribe button on the YouTube or on all of your audio listening platforms. And then if you want to be a make a donation, go to greenandredpodcast.org and hit the support button. If you want to become a patron, and we're having a challenge out there to our listeners, we have 17 patrons. We want to get at least up to 20 in the next week. So please go to patreon.com backslash green red podcast and become a patron. And we will see you again. And we're gonna have more movies coming your way soon.